Amen, amen. Church, you're going to have to forgive Pastor Izzy for jumping ahead. The audacity of dismissing Thanksgiving like that. Um, but I do need to make, I have to make this public announcement because last week I chastised those of you who decorate before Thanksgiving. And then here we are. That is my apologies. Uh, our wonderful, wonderful Adorn team uh, set up this past weekend. They, they let me have an earful of it last week. They're like, you threw us under the bus. You know we were going to decorate. I was like, truthfully, I didn't know. I'm not aware of a lot of things. Um, but here's the truth. It's all good. Who cares? Decorate if you want to decorate. Get your trees up. You don't take them down until March 37th anyway, so who cares? <laughs> So uh, I wanted to just before we get into everything today, I want to say thank you to all of you who registered and donated for our youth to be able to go to their youth convention this past weekend. It was powerful time. I got to go and, and just kind of, uh, I, I, I always went, right? But I got to go this time with no responsibility. It's like being a grandparent. Like, I just got to go hang out, play, and then go home. And I was like, Pastor Izzy, it's on you. Go have fun. And, uh, but it was so blessed. We had, how many, 71 people go from our group? So we had 71 of our people go, huh? 74, let's not forget the three. So we had 74 people from our group go. They were blessed beyond measure. Some were called to ministry. Some were uh, rededicated salvation. I mean, we got to see the whole gambit. And so we're very, very grateful for those of you who invested into the lives of our young people. And I'm grateful to be in a church that believes in the next generation. Uh, it was such a powerful time. And we were very blessed that one of the speakers uh, who I think just brought the house down uh, at this week's convention is a a friend of ours and called us up and said, hey, I'm going to be in town that weekend. Uh, do you have a Sunday available? And I said, brother, for you, yes, absolutely. And so would you guys give it up for our very own missionary, Brian Webb, who's going to be bringing God's word today? Good morning. How are y'all? All right. Well, it is fantastic. Okay, we're Brian and Renee Webb. God's blessed us with four amazing kids, a daughter in love, and simply the world's most beautiful granddaughter. Uh, we've served as missionaries for the last 26 years. You may know us as missionaries to Vanuatu, but um, 2017, Renee and I were asked to serve as area directors for Pacific Oceana. So allow me to introduce you to Pacific Oceana, the world's largest mission field. Pacific Oceana encompasses a third of the Earth's surface. It is uh, 23 nations spread out, uh, where there's 40 million people spread out over 30,000 different islands, speaking more than 1,000 languages. It is by far the most diverse complex and isolated mission field on earth. Pacific Oceana hosts every ism in the religious spectrum. Uh, animism, nominalism, secularism, atheism, Hinduism, Mormonism, Judaism, Islam, Buddhism are all found in Pacific Oceana. Our ministry contacts vary from uh, massive cities like Sydney and Auckland to tiny jungle villages where people still fearfully worship ancestral spirits. Nearly half of Pacific Oceana's population is under the age of 24. Loss of traditional roles, severely limited futures have led to epidemic levels of depression and teen suicide. In Chuk, 
one of our nations, one out of every 40 young men will choose to end their own life. Why does such a massive field have only 28 missionaries? In two words, it's hard. And that begs a question, are you tough enough? I remember as a child listening to a veteran missionary speak. He told of tribes deep in the jungle that remained unreached by the gospel. They were, as Paul described in Ephesians, separated from Christ, without hope, without God in the world. I remember him standing in the pulpit weeping as he recalled the days when he had the strength to climb the mountains, slog down the jungle trails, swim the rivers necessary to reach these tribes. I don't know why it was relevant, but as a little boy, I was deeply impressed by the fact that he could lift a Harley Davidson motorcycle above his head. That night he wept because his strength had failed before his mission was complete. Entire tribes remained in darkness, yet physically he couldn't get there. That night he called for strong young men who could trek the trails, who could climb the mountains, swim the rivers, endure the deprivations, and were willing to take on the risk of bold pioneer missions in extreme circumstances. As a scrawny 11-year-old boy, probably weighing all of 80 or 90 pounds, I rushed the altar to volunteer. Somehow God chose to favor that little boy. I never did become the strong young man he described that night. I was never athletic. Couldn't have dreamed of picking up a motorcycle. What should have been my best years, I was plagued by a reoccurring illness that left me weak as water for months at a time. Yet with God's help, I was able to climb those jungle trails, swim the rivers, climb the mountains. I had the incredible privilege of presenting the gospel in truly never reached communities and seeing the church planted in places where darkness had prevailed for 2,000 years. Yet the task is not complete. Don't misunderstand me. This is not the only kind of missionary that is needed. There are thousands of modern cities where there has never been a church. I recently saw a map of Thailand marking out 75,000 communities where there's never been a church of any kind. These cities could be reached by any of you listening to me today. They can be reached with missionaries who'll drive everywhere they go on a paved road, who will live in modern apartment buildings, who will experience all the conveniences of modern life. Yet there remains an unfinished task that will require a different breed of missionary. Across the Pacific, there are forgotten atolls far from any airports or seaports. Reaching them will require those willing to brave long sea journeys in tiny boats with little chance of rescue should things go wrong. Once you arrive, you will sleep on the floor, use an outhouse, eat unrecognizable foods, often face persecution. There are tribes deep in the jungles of Papua New Guinea, Solomon Islands, and Vanuatu that will require someone to engage in extraordinary effort just to physically make contact. They live where there are no airports or roads or any vestiges of modern life. The trails that lead to their villages will require some of the most intense tropical mountaineering in the world. In order to be in proximity to these tribes, missionaries based in extremely difficult circumstances, earthquakes, 
volcanic eruptions, hurricanes are a normal part of the fabric of life for these missionaries. For some, the threat of carjackings, home invasions, simply being at the wrong place at the wrong time as tribal violence wakes, breaks out, weighs on them every day. These places call for those willing to pay any price, to endure any hardship, to embrace the risk so that the words of Isaiah 9-2 can be fulfilled. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. This task calls for men and women of courage, faith, and tenacity. It requires a significant level of physical and mental toughness. So I ask you, are you tough enough? Nearly 40 years ago, I rushed the altar, not because of how tough I was, but because urged on by the Holy Spirit, my heart leapt at the challenge, at the opportunity to risk everything for Jesus. So today, if your heart leaps at the challenge of going to the hard places, then I would like you to meet me in this altar. I would love to talk with you and I would love to pray with you about serving in the hard places. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, I know missionaries are come and we're supposed to ask you for money, okay? And I'll take it. Don't get me wrong. No, but I didn't come for your money this morning. I, I came for you. My prayer as I came to this service was God would you call one? I'm so thankful for the opportunity to be here. So thankful, Pastor Joey. Such a nice guy. Isn't he, isn't he, I mean, may, y'all know him better than me. Maybe, maybe he's, I know. No, he seemed like, a, seemed like a really nice guy to me. And I, and I really appreciate him having me. But I, I, more than that, I, I love his heart and I love his vision. I love his heart and his vision for Chicago. And, uh, and I believe in it. And I told him, I said, I don't come to Chicago very often, but I transit through. And so I'm flying over these neighborhoods, man. And as I'm flying over these neighborhoods, I'm praying. I'm praying. I'm praying. And I hope that you will buy into the vision that God's put in his heart for Chicago. Amen. Uh, but I also love, you know, there's a part of his vision. I don't know if he shared with you, so I'm going to just jump the gun and share everything. He's got a dream that missionaries, you would not just support missionaries, but that missionaries would come out of Belmont Assembly of God. Hallelujah. Well, maybe it's supposed to be you. Boy, the amens were with me. Everybody was excited until we got to, maybe it's supposed to be you, right? <laughs> Glory to God. Well, that's why I'm here. So, so now that I've got you excited about what I'm going to say, yeah, uh, let, me, let me right quick, before I preach, let me mention some books I've written. This one is called Hungry Devils and Other Tales from Vanuatu. Uh, this one here is called uh, The Sons of Cannibals. These are, these are missionary stories. These are stories from our life and ministry. Each one is 50 uh, different stories. You can buy them back there for $15 a piece. Listen, I want you to think about this. You could walk back to that table today and finish your Christmas shopping be done. Like you would not have to go to the mall. You would not have to go to Amazon. You could just be 
done. So it would be just that simple. Uh, so those are, those are stories. This book right here uh, is something I really like. It's called Mrs. McKenzie's Candle. It's a fiction for kids, uh, really designed for kids 8 to 12 years old. And, and what I want to do is introduce kids to missions. And so uh, take a 12-year-old a, a girl and her 15-year-old brother, and they are going around the world on mission trips with their mom and dad and learning about all kinds of great places. And so um, I think if you've got a kid in your life, whether it's your kid or whether your grandkid, you ought to grab them a copy of this. Uh, before we're done. These are, these are $10 each. The, the other two books we call our Pay Our Kids Way to College Fund, all right? And it's worked so far, so praise God. Uh, this one, all the proceeds go to, to help kids know about Jesus, all right? So it's just, it's just that simple. We were doing a church plant down in South Tana in a little village called Itawangan. And they had me and about 20 pastors were staying in this little shack. It was just a tin shack, uh, wasn't finished out in any way. And the shack came equipped with rats. And the rats were about the size of cats. And at night, well, what happened is the rats would get up in the rafters above your head and they would fight. And, and then the loser would fall. And, and I don't know about you, but when a rat slaps the concrete beside my head in the middle of the night, it wakes me up. And then when I wake up, there's a particular room that I need to visit. In this case, the room was an outhouse about 50 feet away from the shack. And I don't know how much experience you've got with outhouses, but let me give you just some, some tips for when you come see me, all right? Uh, the first rule of the outhouse is you sing as you go. There is no door to knock on there. If you're lucky, there's a curtain. People use it when they forget their toilet paper. We call it a weighted curtain, right? So you sing a song as you go, and if somebody joins you on the chorus, then you just turn around and head back to the house, all right? The, the second thing is you must exercise light discipline. Now, look, I know that we like a lot of light and you want to see what's going on in there. But listen to me, guys. There are thousands of four inch roaches that live down there in that pit. And if your light hits that hole, they will come swarming up out of the abyss. It is extremely difficult to sit down relax enough to take care of business. I mean, you just get sensations. You just, you feel things in all the wrong places. And so uh, you, you, you take your light to the outhouse, but don't shine your light in the outhouse. And then the third thing is the prayer. You know, missionaries are serious when we pray over our food and we are serious when we pray over our, our toilet seats, right? And so I've got it down almost to a mantra. I say, oh God, sanctify this toilet seat. And, and it works. And I know it works because I am still alive. There you go, yeah. So I don't want to paint you too graphic of a picture, but I'm standing in the, in the doorway of this little shack. It is pouring rain. I've got my toilet paper tucked up underneath my arm because it loses some utility once it gets wet, right? And so I got my flashlight in my other hand. I dash through the rain. I'm singing my song. Nobody joins me on the chorus. And so when I get to the weighted curtain there, I turn off my flashlight. I... 
I put it between my teeth because I need both hands free. This is not a go in the bathroom, turn around, get situated. No, this is, this is a closet, guys. This is just big enough. This is one smooth motion. You, you, you make your way past the weighted curtain, slip your trousers down, and sit down all one smooth. So I'm doing this, and I'm mumbling my prayer over my flashlight, and I feel something. And it is warm. And it is hairy. And it is all down the length of my thigh. And if you want to know what was in the outhouse with me, I need you to buy a copy. That's as good as I can get, guys. That is as good as I can get. You know, I, 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 that little story has sold me a lot of books. I'll just be honest with y'all. And I was going to tell it yesterday at the youth convention, and I just, I, I'm going to say I was jet lagged. I guess that's my excuse. I, I just totally let it go. All right. All right. Let's, let's get serious. Um, I'm going to preach. I, I, have, uh, I have for you this morning just, just three words. But because I'm a preacher, I can still make three points out of three words. All right. You ready? They are all for Jesus. All for Jesus. And, and I'd like to emphasize that word, all. All the nations of the earth are for Jesus. Revelation 5, 9. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Simply put, God's plan has always been the redemption of every tribe, language, people, and nation. The eternal plan for heaven's celebration, the cosmic finale of all time, is this splendorous, transcultural, multinational, omnilinguistic throng surrounding the throne of Jesus Christ and rejoicing that they have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. This is God's plan. God does not have a plan B. There is no second best option that will suffice. It will be all tribes, all languages, all peoples, and all nations. You, you ever go into a church service, maybe you've got a missionary guest comes in and they sing a song in, in a language that is very different than yours, or, or you have a guest that comes in and there's just, there's just you don't even understand the words of the song, but they're just chill bumps run up and down your arms. Why? I'll tell you why. It's because the Holy Spirit in you is saying, this is a preview of what heaven's going to be like, where every language is going to be represented around the throne of Jesus Christ. So I would ask you, what is your view of missions? Is it us having one more assembly of God church? Is missions taking a trip to another country, eating strange food, preaching to a strange people who speak a strange language and follow strange customs and then posting about Facebook on it? Hmm. Is it doing good to those who are poorer than you? Helping those whose standard of living falls far beneath yours? You say, Brian, these are good things, yeah. But any view of missions that is satisfied with anything short of all peoples everywhere 
being brought to faith in the Son of God falls short of God's view of missions. In a view of missions, it contents itself with anything less than a people redeemed out of every nation. In a view of missions, that is content with anything short of every human language being used to worship the king falls terribly and tragically short of God's view of mission and Christ's mandate to us as the church. It is all or nothing. Missions is all for Jesus. Listen, entrusted with all power, Christ sent us to all nations to baptize all who believe and teach them to obey all that he has commanded. And maybe you're saying, Brian, surely I have done enough. I want you to hear me. As long as one human language has yet to be used to whisper the name of Jesus, as long as one nation remains unreached by the gospel, as long as one people, one tribe, one family remains outside of the family of the redeemed, then no we have not done enough. We have not done enough. We have not sent enough. We have not given enough. We have not gone enough. Today, I wish I could convince you to be passionate about missions. I wish I could convince you to send your children to the far side of the earth. I wish I could convince you to sell your very life. And more than that, I wish I could convince you to do so in a manner that will not plow the same fields, refight the same battles, or build on another man's foundations. I wish I could convince you to go where no one has gone before and to boldly claim for the king those people who have not yet believed and through whom all of human history, their families have been outside of the human, outside of the family of God. Paul, Paul asks in Romans chapter 10, how can they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how can they believe in him of whom they have not heard? How can they hear without a preacher? How can they preach unless they are sent? Fulfilling our mission will require preachers to go. Going will require senders to send. It's really that simple. That's why we're here today. It is all for Jesus. So it's all for Jesus, all the nations of the earth, but it's all for Jesus. It's for him. Turns out it's not about us in the end. It is his kingdom. John 17, six. I want you to listen to this. Jesus is praying a prayer to the father right before his crucifixion. And he says, I have manifested your name to the men whom you've given me out of the world. They were yours. Listen to this next part. You gave them to me. Can, can, you, can you hear, can you hear the, the, the words of a, of a son to his father? You gave them to me. I, 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 when, I hear, when I hear Jesus' prayer there and I hear his words, I'll tell you what I hear. I hear one of my kids saying, but daddy, you promised you promised. See, I don't know how it happened, but at some point in eternity past, the father said to the son, ask of me and I will give you the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth as thy possession. And the son said, I'll take them. 
And the father must have said, but there is an awful price that must be paid. And, and the son said, I will pay it. And 600 years before the birth of Jesus Christ, Isaiah graphically describes his crucifixion and his suffering. But he does more than describe his suffering. He describes his satisfaction. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse number 11, it says this about Jesus. He shall see the travail of his soul and he shall be satisfied. No, I want you to understand this because as Christ sees men and women being redeemed out of an ever-expanding group of peoples and tribes and languages, he is satisfied. And one day, he will be fully satisfied. Yeah. I had the opportunity to go to a, a little community called Iatapu. Uh, and I can tell you the story, man. It was, a, it was a crazy, crazy thing. This is a place where people worshipped a, a volcano and they built their village around the, the, the extinct crater of a volcano. The word Iatapu means the, the holy place. And they thought that was like the birthplace of the volcano. And, and I'm telling you, they, it was, it's, a, it's a surreal place. The, the chief met me. I was walking through the jungle going to a different village. He met me and asked me to come to his village the next day. Had no idea why I was going. I just knew he told me to be there. And so I got up early the next morning and I climbed over from, from this valley over the mountain ridge into the next valley down to get to Iatapu. And, and when I get there, they bring me into the Nakamar, the Nasserites. It's like an open dancing ground in the, in the center of the village. It's circular and, and, and all around the, the outside of that, uh, that Nakama there, you've got these 20 foot high leering idols and, and the chief assembles the whole village together. And as I'm, as I'm standing there, he says, I want you to just tell us why you came. Well, tell a missionary that, man. We're going we're gonna to be there for a little while, right? We started in Genesis. We worked our way through Revelation. I had no idea what they really wanted, so I figured I'd give them the whole deal, right? And I mean, if you give me the chance to preach the gospel in a place where it's never been preached before, I'm going to have fun. And when I finished, the chief looked at me, and I could tell I had given him way more than he wanted. And he said, well, I don't want your God. He said, I don't need your God. But he said, there's two women in my village who want to become Christians. So he said, there's some land right down there. He had marked it off. He said, that's where you'll build your church. Pointed to about a 20-year-old young man. And he said, that'll be your pastor. I said, tell you what, chief, I'll take the land and I'll see about the pastor. Okay, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see what we can do. I had never built a church for two ladies before. But I figured if God gave me an opening, I was going to take it. And so me and Nathan Thomas, we went down and we began to dig the footings and, and pour the, the footings and the foundation of that building. And every morning I would get up at five o'clock in the morning. They had designated a little hut in this village to be my kitchen. It was the only hut with a chair and with a table. And I would take my, I would take my kerosene lantern in there and I would set it on that table and there'd be just a, a little bubble of light. And I'd open up my Bible and I'd begin to have my devotions. And one morning I heard kind of like a, 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 a a little bit of a struggle over outside of the light. And, and I heard this mama saying, hey, leave the missionary alone. And I said, hey, listen, they don't have to leave the missionary alone. They can, they can come to the missionary. It's okay. And I heard this little boy and he said, missionary, I'm coming. 
And he came and he sat down on the bench beside me. And so I started doing my devotions out loud. I just started Romans chapter one. We just begin to work our way through Romans. And the first day it was just that little boy beside me. But but then other people get to join. And before we had the foundation of that church laid, that little hut would be full. People would be all on the outside as I was just sharing my devotion in the morning. And, and we, we got to the point of putting that foundation down and we we're going to have a baptismal service. I may have a flair for the dramatic. So I told the folks that you have baptismal service at sunrise. I mean, it seemed like the right time to do it to me, right? And we went down to Port Resolution. Port Resolution is this half moon bay. It's beautiful. It's got hot springs. And, and as the water flows down into the ocean, there's like steam floating out over the water. And, and, and over on the eastern side, the sun is just starting to break. And, and over on the west is Mount Yasser. It's this active volcano. And it's erupting about every five minutes throwing lava chunks up in the air it's, it's this uh this is pretty cool I told Nathan he had his camera I said man don't you miss a shot like this is this is newsletter gold for missionary right here right and so I'm out there and I'm baptizing those folks one right after another and I'm thinking to myself this is as good as it gets I, I got to go to a place where there had never been a church I got to tell people about Jesus. And then I got to win these people to Jesus. And now I've got them down here in the ocean at sunrise in the most perfect setting. And I'm baptizing them. This is as good as it gets. And then when we were done, those new believers gathered on that beach and they did something that completely surprised me because they gathered in a, they gathered in a circle and they faced one another and they began in their language to sing a song worshiping the king who had redeemed them by his blood. And I'm sure that in heaven the choir sound magnificent but I'll also promise you in that moment that the king of kings hushed the and he said, I want you to hear that sound because that is the sound of one more language that's been redeemed by my blood. Listen to me. One day, Jesus Christ will be fully satisfied. Hallelujah. No, listen, listen, listen to the words of Jesus. I want you to hear them. I want you to let them sink into your heart this morning. Jesus said to the Father, you gave them to me. It is a plaintive, heartfelt cry of the Savior on the eve of his death. They are mine. Yes. They are mine. A few years ago, I went to Banjar Masin. There's four million Banjar people in the world. When I went to Banjar Masin, the major city there, they, they, they told me, they said, there are no Banjar churches of any kind. I, I, I went there to write about them because I wanted you to read about them and I wanted the Holy Spirit to convict you and I wanted you to go and start a church. Hallelujah. While I was there, I met with this group of Indonesian believers. They were not Banjar. They were from all over Indonesia. They had left their homes and their churches. They had moved to Banjar Masin to start businesses on the idea that by living there as business owners, they could be the genesis of the first church in Banjar Masin. 
And, and we spent the day, we talked about how to plant a church in a, in a place with persecution. And we talked about, you know, strategies for outreach. And, 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 and none of them were ordained ministers. And, and there in Indonesia, they restrict the, the ordination. My understanding was they restrict, um, they restrict like giving the Lord's Supper only to people who are ordained. And they, and they said to me, they said, Pastor, they said, it's been so long and, and we've been away from our churches for so long. Would you, just, would you just have a communion service with us before you leave? If you want to feel two inches tall, do a communion service for people who are risking their life for the gospel. I don't know how y'all do it at Belmont. I, I tell you how I grew up. We'd pass out the elements, right? Everybody would have a piece of bread. Everybody would have a cup. We'd read the scripture, right? This is my body broken for you. And then we would say a prayer and then everybody take that bread together. And, and then we'd hold the cup. Again, I don't know how you do it here, but we'd hold the cup and we would read the scripture. This, this cup is a new covenant, my blood, right? And, and, then, and then we would say a prayer. And, then we, and so that's what I was doing. I was leading them through that. And as I, came, as I came to that cup and I began to pray over that cup, I, I, I heard the voice of Jesus so clear in my spirit. It surprised me. I heard him say, they are mine. I have purchased them with my own blood. They belong to me. I want you to understand what we are doing in missions. We as the church, as the body of Christ, are simply going out and taking possession of what the king has rightfully purchased with his own blood. They belong to him. It's all for Jesus. And then lastly, it is all for Jesus. Galatians 2.20 I am crucified with Christ nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. And gave himself for me. Listen, this is really simple. Knowing that missions is all for Jesus. Every nation, every people, every tribe, every language. Knowing that missions is all for Jesus. The nations fully and rightfully belong to Christ because he's purchased them with his own blood. Then I choose to give all for Jesus. Having been personally redeemed by the Savior, I simply owe him everything and I choose to give him my all. I'm sure you have heard the story of William Borden. He was born into wealth, burned into affluence. When he, when he was a young man, he felt that God was calling him to serve as a missionary. We told his parents that God had called him to be a missionary. They told him he would be throwing his life away. He opened the flyleaf of his Bible and he wrote in it two words, no reserves. When he graduated from Yale University, he was offered numerous high paying jobs. He turned each one of them down to pursue the life of a missionary. And he added two further words to the flyleaf of his Bible. No retreats. 
when dying from spinal meningitis in Egypt, en route to his chosen field of China, having never seen those he felt called to serve, he opened his Bible once more, added a final two words, no regrets. Today you can travel to Egypt and you can view his tombstone inscribed with six simple words, no reserves, no retreats, no regrets. I give all for Jesus. If missions is about all the languages, peoples, tribes, and nations, if missions is all about Jesus and what is rightfully his, then missions must be all that I am and all that I have for Jesus. Would you stand? I wonder if I get somebody to help me here with music. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, as we come into this season, as we prepare to celebrate Jesus' coming, we're so thankful that he came. We're so thankful that he died for us. We're so thankful that we are redeemed by his blood. Our lives has been, have been changed by Jesus. And now, Lord, that we are among the redeemed, we share the responsibility of the redeemed. You call for nothing less than our all. So I pray for this congregation here today. I pray that, that you would call out from this church those who would truly give their all for Jesus. No reservations. No, no retreats. No regrets. They'd lay down. I pray this altar would be the place of their surrender to you today, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let it be. Let your Holy Spirit hover over this place. This is not, um, this is not your typical altar call. And you say, Brian, I don't know, I don't know if, I don't know where I should go or I don't know what I should do. I'm not, I'm not asking you to sign up today to go to any place. Here's what I'm asking. If you're willing to say, Jesus, I give you my all with no reservations. Jesus, I'll sign my name to a blank contract and let you fill in the details afterwards. If that's you this morning and you're willing to do that, I want to ask you to step out from your chair and come to this altar. Whether you go, whether you stay, whatever God's plan for your life is, that's, that's not what we're after today. What we're after is that surrender. I say, Jesus, I give myself to you with no reservation. Would you come? Is that you? Hallelujah. Jesus, I give you my all. 
I'm not going to hold anything back. From this point forward, Jesus, there's not going to be any limits to what you can ask of my life. I'm not going to put any conditions on it. From this point forward, I'm not going to say, Jesus, I'll go but to this point. From this point forward, I'm not going to reserve any portion of my life. It's all for you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The team is going gonna, is gonna to lead us in some, some worship here this morning. We're going to take a time of prayer and just kind of let this seal, this commitment seal in our spirits. But I'm, I'm going to tell you something. You may be sitting here this morning and, uh, and frankly, you've never made that step of saying, I'm going to give my life to Jesus. You've been, you've been holding back and, and I'm going to tell you that this morning can be your morning. Hallelujah. And you can hold on to your life and you can, try to, you can try to make something out of it, but the very best thing you can do with your life this morning is surrender it to Jesus and say, Jesus, I give it all to you. I give it all to you. And maybe you're here this morning, you feel like, man, what's going on in my life right now? It's not a good thing to give. That's all right. He'll take it. Give it to him anyway. And say, Jesus, I give my all to you.